But this, this morning's message is about friendship. And my heart is full as I ponder and think about friends that I've had in the past, uh, friends that I continue to continue to call friend, friends that have been friends close with me in the past and who have maintained contact uh, throughout the years uh, as well. We're looking at this topic of boldly forward for his glory, and we're thinking about David, of course, the life of David. And today we're going to look specifically at these friendships of David and Jonathan and see how we as believers uh, need to have friendships as well, Uh, that we need the friendship like they had as well as believers. And so these are forward friendships that move us forward in our walk. This week, uh, I was uh, at a soccer game going to see Hannah play soccer uh, in a little place called Cortland, about an hour or so away from here. And I was about to get out of the car to watch the game, and my phone rang. And I looked, and it was, uh, had Robert Carpenter on, the, on my ID. And I said, what in the world are you doing calling me, brother? And uh, this, because Robert was a pastor friend of mine when I pastored on the eastern shore. And that was back from 1992 to 1997, just a few years ago. And Robert and I were pastoring just about 20 minutes apart from each other. Uh, but not only, and I was a new pastor, he was a fairly new pastor. Uh, but not only that, but he, he and I were also uh, in the, uh, the Navy chaplaincy as reservists. And so we would go and do our drill weekends together. We'd leave on uh, Thursdays and come back on Saturdays as chaplains. And so he and I would drive up to Washington, D.C., where we would do our drill and come back. And we had a lot of conversations together. And as a young pastor, man, I am so thankful for the friendship of another young pastor where we could just kind of hash through and talk through not only people uh, and, and personalities, but also theology uh, and just love on Jesus as we move along. I was reminded of that as I was working on this message this week, and he just happened to call. He called me uh, because he has been pastoring, and, uh, but he's also still in the Navy Reserves as a chaplain, but he now is an 06, which is a captain. And he has been called up, and he is going to Africa for a year. And he said, I'll be preaching in Somalia on Easter Sunday. I said, what? Praise the Lord, man. That's awesome. But where we had left off years ago, he, last time I talked to him was three years ago, and we picked up and was able to talk just as if we were... Uh, talked last week. That's what friendships will do. Amen? So I think about his life. I think about my life. I think about the others in my lifetime who have been godly friends to me, not only those who've been younger than me, where I've tried to speak into their lives. There have been older men in my life. And I was reminded this week on another occasion where there was an older gentleman in my life who spoke into my life as a young man who had surrendered to preach, but I was still in school, uh, in high school even, where my dad had left my family and I had no real father figure except for my grandfathers, and I praise God for them. But there was a man in our church uh, who took me under his wing, who was the one who taught me how to shave, taught me how to do some gardening and that sort of thing, and was reminded of him this week even. And just so thankful that in my lifetime I have had these people who have been these godly friends who have walked alongside me, sometimes different ages, sometimes same ages, but walked alongside me to help me in my walk of faith. And what we understand, friends, is that we all need friends. Uh, There's an article done by the Mayo Clinic not too long ago that said, Good friends are good for your health. It says, Friends can help you celebrate good times, provide support during bad times. They prevent loneliness, give you a chance to offer needed companionship. But they can also increase your sense of belonging and purpose, boost your happiness, reduce your stress, 
help you cope with the traumas of life, encourage you to change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits, and even have found that senior adults with a rich social life are likely to live longer than their peers who have fewer connections. I'm here to tell you, beloved, we need friends. Amen? See, here's the thing is that God did not create us to live on an island by ourselves. God did not create us to be alone. There's something to be said for having friends. But today, specifically, we want to see that as believers, we want to have forward friendships. We want to have friendships that help move us forward in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we see in David and Jonathan is indeed a friendship that moved them forward in their walk of faith. Now, last week, if you recall, in chapter 18, we were introduced to Jonathan with David. And then also this week, we're going to skip over to chapter 20 in just a few minutes. But as we find in the interim between those chapters, we know that there was Saul had some feelings toward David. And we talked about that last week, where Saul's feelings, King Saul's feelings toward David were not pleasant. But though they rather ebbed and flowed, but mostly they ebbed toward jealousy and hatred. And there was a genuine desire of King Saul to have David dead. But what we find in Jonathan, who is Saul's son, and David is a picture of real friendship. And their friendship was vital to their walk with the Lord and helping them to move forward. What we see in the scripture and what we see in their life is that they needed each other. And beloved, here's what we need to establish today is that you need a friend like that. But not only do you need a friend like that, that we as the body of Christ need to be friends like that as well. We need each other. We all, listen, we all need each other. Y'all with me this morning? We all need each other. So let's, let's take a look at what real friendship looks like, this forward friendship, and uh, see what the Lord has for us this morning. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, would you please stand? And I'm going to read 1 Samuel 18 verses 1 through 4 to begin with. Then we're going to skip over to chapter 20 and start at verse 1 and read uh, not all that chapter, but most of it. So here we go. Chapter 18. Now when he, David, had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, that's David, and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. And then Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Skip over to chapter 20. Now we find that David fled from Nioth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What's my iniquity and what's my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And so Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And then David took an oath again. He said, your, fa- your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. And Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I, I should not uh, fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go, that I may hide in the field until the third uh, day at the evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me, that he may run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. And if he says thus, it is well, then your servant will be safe. But if he's very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. 
And therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? And David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me? What if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. And so both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I've sent out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there's good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so much, do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. And the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan again caused David to vow, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Skip down to verse 24. And David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, a king sat down to eat the feast. And the king sat on his seat, as at other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan rose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, Well, something's happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he's unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, neither yesterday or today? And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. And then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame, to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said, Why should he be killed? What has he done? And then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger, ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we thank you for the life that we see in Jonathan and in David here and for their friendship. And may you take this passage of Scripture and may you t- t- teach us, Lord, what it is to have friends who are godly, uh, friends that we need and friends that we need to be as well. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, guide us, direct us, and lead us on the path that we may have forward friendships, Lord, and to be careful about our relationships. But, Lord, may you have your way in our hearts and lives. Lord, this message is yours. It's not mine. I pray that you would take it now and use it for your glory. I pray that to the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're looking at the, you see the bulletin, you see the outline there, so put some, put some words in those blanks. And the first thing that we see here, as we think about forward friendships, real true friendships, genuine friendships, are, is, is to be dearly loved. To be dearly loved. So you can mark true friendship as being dearly loved. And indeed, uh, dearly loving as well. And so it's hard for us to think about, as we think about friendships, typically, and, and what we're going to be talking about here is same gender friendships. Uh, we, do we need to have, is there love that's involved in there? Absolutely there is. We to love each other. Yes, we allow ourselves to love and to be loved uh, as brothers and as sisters in Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at this 
a passage of Scripture and we think about David and Jonathan, we think about the love that they had for each other. And the first thing we want to find here is that they had a common bond. They had a common bond. Now, what we see here in chapter 18 in the very, very first verse is it tells us that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Now, think about this for a moment, if you will. Up until this point, Jonathan and David have absolutely nothing in common, really, except that they have the same enemy. But they come from different backgrounds. David is a shepherd out in the field. And Jonathan is a prince who's been living in the palace, the son of King Saul. They really are coming from two different perspectives. And so it seems kind of odd that they would become friends, but indeed they do. There may have been even an age difference between the two. We're not sure about that. But the Bible tells us here in chapter 18, verse 1, is that they were knit together. They were knit together. They have something in common. What is it that they have in common? What they have in common is that they're both warriors. They're both courageous young warriors, possibly, capable, certainly. But they have the same enemy. These two guys have the same enemy who is the, who, as they both fought the Philistines. But they also have same, the same faith in the same God. And so because of that, they have the same faith in the same God. They have the same enemy. They've both been through some warfare. And so they are kindred spirits. And the Bible here tells us that Jonathan's soul is now knit to the soul of David. So they are knit together in their desires. They're knit together in their motivations. They're knit together in their faith. Because they have the same faith. They have the same enemy. They, therefore, they have the same motivation and the same desires. And so as believers, when we have friends, we need to have friends to whom we are knit together. Where we have this common bond together. Where we have the same faith, trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. We have the same enemy. By the way, our enemy is never each other. Our enemy is never another person. But our enemy is always the devil and those principalities and powers of wickedness and evil. That's the enemy. We, have, we all, as believers, have this common enemy. And as we have this common bond with a common enemy and a common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be knit together as believers and have a true friendship where this dearly loving each other. Now, understand that as we think about this in friendship terms, that we need those kinds of people in our lives, we also need to understand that there is a bigger picture here as well, is that this not only should describe you and a close friend, but this also describes all Christians as well. That all Christians, those people who claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we all should be knit together. We're all knit together as believers. And knit together means this, is that there should be nothing that should ever be able to pull us apart. So that's the kind of friendships that we need as godly friends who, who are believing, believing godly friends. We'd have friends and be friendly, uh, be friends who are knit together with someone else where there would be nothing that could pull us apart. Man, that's a great friendship, amen? That's great stuff. But not only that, but as we look at the bigger picture in the, as a, in the church, as believers as a church, as we should always be knit together because we have the same faith and the same Lord against the same enemy. And we're knit together, we have this common bond. So when people see us as believers, they should not see a bunch of different people with different ideas and different thoughts and different motivations and different faith, but rather they're to see believers who have one single unit who are knit together with one purpose, and that is to point people to Jesus and lift him up. You know, as we think about this idea of being knit together, you know, I'm not a seamstress. I don't claim to sew. I don't know anything about fabric. If you want to know about that, you talk to Miss Angie. She's the expert. 
But what I do know is that when I look at a shirt or when I look at a sweater or look at a quilt or look at a blanket, I don't see a bunch of threads. I see one product. And so that's because all those threads are knit together into one. And so for those of us as believers, that's what people are to see in us, is people who are knit together as one. Amen? Amen. Always together as one. Now, understand, we may come from different backgrounds. We may come from different age brackets and have different likes and dislikes. We may even have different styles of worship. But when we have the same faith, <clears throat> excuse me, when we have the same faith, the same desires, the same motives, the same Lord, and we fight the same enemy, then we can show that we are forward friends, friends who need each other, that we are on the same side and we dearly love each other, individually as godly friends, but also as a church. Amen? The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, thinking about it as Paul writes to the church there at Philippi, he says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Everything that you do, let it be worthy of the gospel of Jesus, so that whether I come and see you or in absent, I may hear of your affairs. Then watch this, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's people who are knit together, having one purpose, Standing together in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith together of the gospel. We have this common bond. Secondly, we have a costly bond. It's a costly bond. In 18 verse 1, again, it tells us at the end of that verse that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Talking about David. If you skip down to verse 3, we see the same wording there. Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. If you skip over to chapter 20 and verse 17, we see the same wording there. Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So what does that mean, that he loved him as his own soul? Well, their soul represents who you are, all that you are. And so it's saying that he loved him as he loved himself. He loved him as every part of who he was. He loved him as he loved himself. Well, what does that look like? Well, Jesus taught us that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And the reason why Jesus did that is because we love ourself. We love ourself. We, we're, you, you say, well, I don't know about that, preacher. Oh, yes, yes, you do. You love yourself. We all love ourselves. Because here's the thing. We are willing to do for ourselves. We're willing to do whatever it takes to get what we want. To do what we want. To go where we want. To be what we want. We are willing to do. We love ourselves. We want to do. And we want to protect ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We, want, we, we love ourselves. If we want something bad enough then we'll make sacrifices. We'll give up comfort. We make it our priority because we love ourselves, and that's what we want. I find it interesting that we can always do what we want to do. Amen? And so loving someone as yourself or loving someone as your own soul then indicates that the other person becomes the priority. If you're loving someone as you love yourself, now you're not the priority. Now they become the priority. And that's what we see here. And so what that means is that we are willing to give up comforts for our friend. This kind of godly friendship, this deeply uh, loving, dearly loving friendship is giving up comforts for our friend and making sacrifices for our friend and placing them, our friend, above ourselves. We're willing to do whatever is needed in that person's life. We're that kind of friend so that we're going to be there for them when they need us. Whatever it is they need, we're going to be there because we put them above ourselves. Whether priority is now on them and not on us. Y'all with me this morning? So that's what we see here in Jonathan as well. 
You remember in chapter 20 here, verse 1, David tells Jonathan, he says, Look, what have I done? What's my iniquity and what's my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And John says, no, by no means you shall not die. So what's happened here is that David is saying to Jonathan, look, I don't know what I've done, but obviously your daddy's out to get me. And Jonathan says, no, no, he's, that's really not the case. You know? But no, David says, no, he really is. He's after me. But Jonathan isn't convinced. And so David assures him that even if he doesn't know, it's because Saul is keeping it from him. Since he knows that we're friends, he's keeping that from you. And David even says in verse 3, there is but a step between me and death. Look, he is right on my heels. He's always there. And I always have to look around because I could be dead at any moment because of what your dad is trying to do to me. But then we see in Jonathan what he says in verse 4. Jonathan says to David, whatever your self-desire, I will do it for you. So you've told me that now this, David. You understand, I understand that there's, some, there's something going on in your life. And I'm, I want you to know, David, that whatever you need me to do to help you in this process, I am here for you. Whatever you need me to do, Jonathan's saying, I am here for you. Well, that's a godly friendship, isn't it? Having that friendship that is there for them. He's willing to do whatever it took to help his friend, regardless of the, cl- of the cost. And beloved, that is the deepest expression of the love of one friend for another. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. It didn't matter the cost, that friendship is a costly bond. A true friendship, will, all true friendship will lead us forward in our walk with the Lord will be a costly bond. One thing, one that is willing to pay any cost for our friends, putting ourselves on the back burner for others, not insisting on our own way, not pushing our agenda, but giving up my comfort for you. And that's what we find here. Jonathan believed that David would be the next king. Even though he was in line, he believed that David would be the next king. And because he believed that was the Lord's will, then Jonathan set aside his own riches. He set aside his own comfort. He set aside his own kingdom. And he wanted what the Lord wanted for his friend. It was a costly bond because he loved David dearly and because he had faith in the Lord. So David and Jonathan had a friendship where they loved each other unconditionally. I love in the, the last part of this chapter, after David finds out, Jonathan comes back and he tells David what has happened and that, he, that Saul is against him. We find in verse 41 that after it says, as soon as the lad had gone, which is the, the, the signals that they had come up with to figure, so that David would know what, the, what the, the answer was. It says, David arose from a place toward the south. He fell on his face to the ground and he bowed down three times and they kissed one another and they wept together but David more so. See, this is the kind of friendship, beloved, where two men don't mind weeping together. Two friends don't mind weeping together. That's the kind of friendship that God calls us to as we walk this life together, we walk this journey together, where we are willing to weep with those who weep. But not only weep with those who weep, but to rejoice with those who rejoice. Amen? That's, that's what, that is what he has called fellow believers. Listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need each other that we can be with someone, a friend that we can trust, that we can rejoice when they rejoice, but we can also weep when they weep. Matter of fact, Romans twelve fifteen tells us just that. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You have friends like that in your life? That you know that when they're going through great times that you're going to be there and you're not going to be jealous because of what they're doing and what God's done in their life, but you're going to rejoice with them. 
those, you don't mind coming alongside them in the midst of their turmoil and their struggle and their difficulty and their chaos, and you walk with them and you weep with them in the midst of that. You know what? I praise God there have been people in my life like that. Amen? And I pray to God that I've been able to be that person for other people as well. But as believers, that's who we're to be, to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's the kind of friendships that we need to have in order to propel us forward in our walk with Jesus as we dearly love and have this common bond and costly bond. But also we are to be deeply loyal. Dearly loved and deeply loyal. We find again in chapter 18, verse 3 and 4, that there was a covenant that was made. It says in verse 3 that they, Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And then uh, over the other chapter, which I'm not going to go there right now, but it talks about the covenant in which they made this. This is a binding oath. It's a promise uh, packed between two parties. That's the covenant that Jonathan and David had made. They were completely devoted to each other. So there's this complete devotion that they had, this complete devotion to each other. And no matter what, they, what happened in life, no matter what was going on around them, they knew that they could count on each other because they both made this pact. They both made this promise. They both made this oath, this covenant with each other. They would be there for each other. They were deeply loyal to each other. They had a devotion to each other. Now, I was reading a story this week, and I heard about a man who dialed a wrong number, and he got the following recording. He said, hello, I'm not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call. I'm making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. And if I do not return your call, you are one of those changes. (laughs) Now, that's not the kind of devotion we're talking about this morning. Amen? We're to be devoted to people regardless of having these godly friendships, being devoted to the fellow believers who are, are people that are walking alongside, being devoted to each other, to walk with them, through thick and through thin, on mountains and in valleys, and to be faithful, to do what is best for each other. That's what David was asking of Jonathan in chapter 20 here, where he tells uh, uh, Jonathan about what the plan was. You know, I want you to go back to to your dad, and uh, I'm not going to be at the feast, and he's going to notice that I'm not there. And since I'm not there... Uh, if he is okay with that, then you'll know that everything's okay. But if he's not okay with that, and he gets angry, then you know that he's out to get me. And Jonathan says, okay. And so, but then David says this in verse 8. He says, therefore, therefore you shall deal kindly with your servant. The word deal kindly is the Hebrew word called hesed, which means an unfailing kindness and devotion. You will be devoted. Therefore, you shall be devoted with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. We're under a covenant together. Nevertheless, if there's iniquity in me, kill me yourself, or why should you bring me to your father? So be sure to tell me, Jonathan, what it is that I need to understand. But if it's bad, I don't want you to bring me to your dad. I want you to just to kill me yourself. Now, we're under this covenant, so I want you to have this unfailing kindness toward me so that you will take care of me, that you will do what is best for me. And that's what has happened here. He has this unfailing kindness, asking his friend to deal kindly and deal faithfully with him. And indeed, that's what took place, that Jonathan was completely devoted to David, David completely devoted to Jonathan, that they would do what was best for each other, they would be faithful to do what was right for each other, and they'd be faithful to help each other, and indeed, they'd be, and Jonathan would be faithful to stand in the gap for David. In verse 3, where David had said, there is but a step between me and death, he indicates that there is that just, that, just one little step, and I'm, I'm out of here. 
And then we find in verse 32 and 33 that after Jonathan tests the waters with Saul, his father, and Saul makes it very clear that he is against David, it tells in verse 32 and 33, Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? And then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So what's happened here is that Jonathan has stood in the gap for his friend David. All the kingdom is out to get David, it feels like. People who are loyal to King Saul, they're out to get David. But there is one who is being loyal. And it's the son of the king, Jonathan. He's being loyal to his friend. It was dangerous to be David's friend. But Jonathan is deeply devoted, consistently faithful to him, and his covenant of loyalty to him to do what's best When it seemed like the whole kingdom of Saul may have been against him, David's friend was deeply loyal and consistently, completely devoted to him. A British publication once offered a prize for the best definition of what a friend is. Had a lot of answers that came in as to what who could best define what it is to be a friend, and here was the winning definition: A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Well, that's good, isn't it? A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. And so if you think about putting yourself in David's position and in his place, in David's disintegrating world where there was not one space of sanity, he needed a sense of refuge. He didn't know who he could count on, but he knew this. He could count on that one refuge, his friend, Jonathan. That he was still intact, that that friendship was still there. No matter what was going on in the world, he could still have his friend named Jonathan. Believers, we we need that same type of devotion for each other. That no matter what's going on in this world, we'll be faithful to our godly friendships. Be faithful as the body of Christ. That the whole world may be against us. And by the way, they are. But we need fellow believers who will be willing to stand in the gap for us. Who will be there by us and encourage us all along and stand up for us against the enemy, praying for us. And beloved, not only do we need friends like that, we need to be friends like that. Amen? Amen. Who are standing in the gap for other people. To be a godly friend who will stand in the gap and encourage them along and walk with them along the journey. To be faithful, but also to be truthful. You know, Jonathan had to tell David when he found out that his father really was against him, he had to tell him the truth. So, beloved, listen, to be a real godly friend, we have to tell the truth even if it hurts us to tell the truth. Amen? We must be truthful because here, as Jonathan is going to tell David this, that might mean I'm not going to be able to see him anymore. He might go away. I may never see my best friend ever again. But he had to be truthful to him. And that's what Jonathan did there in verses 11 through 13. He told him that this is what he would do. No matter what happens, I'm going to tell you whether it's good or whether it's bad. I'm not going to read those verses because I'm about out of time. But as a sign to David as to what he would do to let him know the truth about Saul, he would fire an arrow later in this story, you know, down out beyond where David was hiding. And Jonathan would call to the lad with him with the arrows. And when he would say, and what he would say would be the code that David would know to be the answer about the safety of the danger in Saul's presence. And even though David was his best friend, it would likely mean that not seeing him again for a long time or forever, he tells David the truth. And beloved, listen, we need friends in our life who are godly believers in Jesus Christ, who will tell us the truth. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that, by the way. 
But we need people who would tell us the truth. No matter how much that hurts you or hurts them, we need to hear the truth. And beloved, you also need to be that kind of a person as well. To tell your friend the truth in the right way as well. We need friends who will be faithful and truthful. As that's what we need to help keep us on the right path. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 5 and 6, it says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. That faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I'd rather have a true friend who will tell me the truth about something in my life where I'm messing up than to have an enemy come to me and, 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 and try to butter me up. Amen? I want to know the truth about my life. I want to know the truth. You say, well, I understand that, Pastor, but I've got a close friend, and I really love my friend, but my friend is in sin, and I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, beloved, if you're not telling the truth, that's not really loving your friend. Amen? And if you say, I, I really don't want anybody to tell me the truth, then you're not really asking for somebody to be, to be loving toward you. You're not really honest and sincere about this thing be, being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. We need people who will help us on this path to be the people of God. He's called us to be, and we need to have friends in our life who help us to, to see what that looks like and who will be honest with us and be truthful with us along the way. Amen? So we have this, and since we have that, and we are to have these people uh, who are uh, completely devoted to us, who are our friends, then we also need to have a complete discernment as to who those friends are. So Jonathan and David, they were friends who dearly loved and were deeply loyal because of the bond of faith in the living God. And so they had this right relationship, this right friendship. And beloved, we need to also choose right friendships as well. We need to be asking God to give us the right people in our pathway who we can be friends to and who be friends to us. If you don't have that already. And chances are we don't. We have a lot of acquaintances and people that we know, but we need genuine friends who will walk with us along this journey. But we need to be very careful as to who those people are. Now understand that you hear me say this all the time, and I hope you've got it memorized in your brain and maybe plastered somewhere, that we must meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Amen? And so that means that ultimately we are going to have friends who are lost. And indeed, we must create those friendships in order to point them to Jesus, but then we don't point them to Jesus and just leave them hanging. No, we have to disciple them along the journey. Amen? Both the friendships of which I'm speaking about here are those that will move us forward in our walk and those that were going to come alongside us to help us in our walk with Jesus and how we're living the, our faith out. And we need godly friends that we can trust who are going to be trustworthy and truthful to us as well. And if you're going to bind yourself and knit yourself to those kinds of people, believe, believe, uh, beloved, we need to be very careful as to who those people are. Psalm 119.63, the, the psalmist David says, I am a companion of all who fear you. And of those who keep your precepts. I am knit together, Lord, to those who fear you. I have fellowship with, I join together with those who fear you. And of those who are keeping your precepts. Those who are your followers. You're the ones, those are the kinds of people that I am going to be a companion to. And so the word for us today is that we must have these kinds of friends in our lives. But we must choose very wisely who our friends are. Choose very wisely. The Bible tells us, Proverbs 12, 26, that the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Isn't that the truth? Be very careful who you knit yourself together to, who you're a companion with. 
Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Be very careful of who we knit ourselves together with as our friends. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived that evil company corrupts good habits. Be very careful. Make sure we have godly friends who love Jesus, who believe his word, who trust him by faith. And let us walk together as believers, having this forward friendship. Dearly loved, deeply devoted. And then we see that this kind of friendship is finally demonstrated by the Lord. You want to see what real friendship looks like? You say, I hear what you're saying here, Pastor, but I don't know if I really got it. Well, here's how you can get it. You want to know what real friendship looks like? Look to Jesus. He's the perfect picture of real friendship. Who loves us with an unconditional love. Amen? Who's devoted to what is best for us. Who is the truth. And even though the world is against us, there he remains that one refuge that we can always count on to go to. Amen? Oh, what a Savior. He's the one who stands in the gap for us. And, he, and even though we are but a step from death, he's the one who has stood in the gap and made the way for us to have salvation. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? That's who Jesus is, this unconditional this costly love. 2 Corinthians 8 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We think of John 15, verse 13, that says, Greater love has no, that, no one that is than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us. He is the beautiful picture of friendship. You still not sure? We just took the Lord's Supper just a few minutes ago to remember the death of Jesus on the cross for us. Why did he do that? It's because he was the friend of sinners. He came to save us from our sins, to give us hope, to do what's best for us, to show us the way, the truth, that is, he is the life. And he went to the cross for us. He loves us dearly, is loyal to us deeply, and has demonstrated that loyalty and the love on the cross for us. Two things to do, and we'll be done. Two things to do. Number one, seek friends. And the first friend, if you don't know him, this is the first one who's seeking you, and his name is Jesus. He's already calling you. He already knows your name. As a matter of fact, he's your creator. And he is seeking you to be his friend as he is seeking to be yours. And you can come to know this friend Jesus as your Savior and the Lord as you trust him by faith. Knowing that we're sinners in need of a Savior, needing Him to save us, turning from our sin, turning to Jesus Christ and humble repentance, saying, Lord, I'm sorry for all that I've done against you. We were not friends of Christ, we're enemies of Christ. We confess that before Him, and we embrace believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave, and we profess Him as the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's a step of faith. We do that by humbly praying, saying, Lord, come into my life, save me. I'm sorry for my sin. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And let me tell you something. He loves you, and he will come. He'll be the Lord of your life. The Holy Spirit comes within your life as you accept Christ as Savior. Seek him as your friend, as he is seeking you to be his friend. But not only that, but 
as you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, listen, friends, don't live in isolation. Don't live a life of being isolated. Allow people to love you, and you allow yourself to love other people. Don't live in isolation because you need godly friends to move you forward in your faith. You say, well, my wife's my friend. Praise God, she better be. My husband's my friend. Yes, indeed, he better be. But this is, this is a different kind of friendship, okay? There needs to be a same-gender type of friendship that you can call on to keep you accountable, to hold, you, hold your feet to the fire, who will tell you the truth, but, beloved, they will be there and rejoice when you rejoice and weep when you weep, asking the Lord for that kind of friend in your life. Amen? Ask the Lord for that kind of friend. He is faithful. You may find that friend in a Sunday school class. You may find that friend in a community group. But make sure they're a believer in Jesus Christ and know him as Savior and trust him by faith. Seek friends, and then secondly, not only to seek friends, but be friendly. Well, that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But be friendly. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Beloved, listen. Know this. Here's what you need to know. As believers, we are all in this together. We're all in this together as believers. We're in this world, but we are not of this world. We know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and so we have this common bond together as believers. So we're all in this together, and we need to be willing to be that friend that follows the example of Jesus and sticks closer than a brother, no matter the cost. Be that kind of friend. Real quick story. There were two friends in World War I who were absolutely inseparable, great friends. Remind me of David and Jonathan. And they had enlisted together, they had trained together, they were shipped overseas together, and they fought side by side in the trenches of the war. Well, during one of the attacks, one of the men was critically wounded out in the field and it, that was filled with barbed wire obstacles, and he was unable to crawl back uh, to his foxhole. And the entire area was under a withering enemy crossfire, and it was suicidal for anybody to try to go out and to reach him. But his friend, who was in safety in the foxhole, decided he needed to try. But before he could get out of his trench, his sergeant yanked him back inside and ordered him, you cannot go because it's just too late. You can't do anything for him or do any good, uh, and you'll only get yourself killed. Well, a few minutes later, that sergeant turned his back, and instantly that man was gone after his friend. And a few minutes later... That man staggered back, himself mortally wounded, with his friend who was now dead in his arms. The sergeant, of course, was both angry and he was deeply moved. And he said, what a waste. He's dead and you're dying and it just wasn't worth it. But with almost his last breath, the dying man replied and said, yes, it was, Sarge. Because when I got to him, the only thing he said was, Jim, I knew you'd come. Beloved, listen, there are people all around us who are perishing today. They're waiting for us to come and tell them about Jesus, who is our hope. Amen? Amen. There are people we need to walk alongside and to be that kind of friend with people. To help each other 
hand in hand, arm in arm, to go forward, to move forward in this thing called faith as friends in Jesus Christ because we need each other. Let's pray. Father.